chapter twenty two of yon of the windmill this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. yon of the windmill by juliana horatia ewing chapter twenty two the parish church rembrandt the snow scene master swift's autobiography in most respects jan's conduct and progress were very satisfactory he quickly learned to read and his copy-books were models the good clerk developed another talent in him jan learned to sing and to sing very well and he was put into the choir seats in the old church where he sang with enthusiasm hymns which he had learned by heart from the schoolmaster no wild weather that ever blustered over the downs could keep jan now from the services the old church came to have a fascination for him from the low square tower without round which the rooks wheeled to the springing pillars the solemn grey tints of the stone and the round arches that so gratified the eye within and did he not sit opposite to the one stained window the soldiers of the commonwealth had spared to the parish it was the only coloured picture jan knew and he knew every line every tint of it and the separate expression on each of the wan quaint faces of the figures when the sun shone they seemed to smile at him and their ruby dresses glowed like garments dyed in blood when the colours fell upon abel's white head jan wished with all his heart that he could have gathered them as he gathered leaves to make pictures with sometimes he daydreamed that one of the figures came down out of the window and brought the colours with him and that he and jan painted pictures in the other windows filling them with gorgeous hues and pale devout faces the fancy empty as it was pleased him and he planned how every window should be done and told abel to whom the ingenious fancy seemed as marvellous as if the work had been accomplished abel was in the choir too not so much because of his voice as of his great wish for it and of the example of his good behaviour it was he who persuaded mrs lake to come to church and having once begun she came often she tried to persuade her husband to go and told him how sweetly the boys voices sounded led by master swift's fine bass which he pitched from a key which he knocked upon his desk but master lake had a proverb to excuse him the nearer the church the further from god not that he pretended to maintain the converse of the proposition jan learned plenty of poetry hymns which abel learned again from him some of herbert's poems and bits of keats but his favourites were martial poems by mrs hemmins which he found in an old volume of collected verses till the day he came upon marmion and gave himself up to sir walter scott he spouted poetry to abel in imitation of master swift and they enjoyed all and understood about half and yet jan's progress was not altogether satisfactory to his teacher to learn long pieces of poetry was easy pastime to him but he was dull or inattentive when the schoolmaster gave him some elementary lessons in mechanics he wrote beautifully but was no prodigy in arithmetic he drew trees windmills and pigs on the desks and admirable portraits of the schoolmaster rufus and other local worthies on the margins of the tables of weights and measures much of his leisure was spent at master swift's cottage and in reading his books the schoolmaster had marked an old biographical dictionary at pages containing lives of self-made men who had risen as inventors or improvers in mechanics or as discoverers of important facts of natural science 
jan had not hitherto studied their careers with the avidity master swift would have liked to see but one day he found him reading the fat volume with deep interest and whose life are ye at now laddie he asked with a smile jan lifted his face which was glowing tis rembrandt the painter i be reading about a master swift he lived in a windmill and he was a miller's son maybe he'd a miller's thumb jan added stretching out his own and smiling at the droll idea do ee know what etchings be then master swift a kind of picture that's scratched on a piece of copper with needles and costs a lot of money to print said master swift dryly and he turned his broad back and went out it was one day in the second winter of jan's learning under master swift that matters came to a climax the schoolmaster loved punctuality but jan was not always punctual he was generally better in this respect in winter than in summer as there was less to distract his attention on the road to school but one winter's day he loitered to make a sketch on his slate and made matters worse by putting finishing touches to it after he was seated at the desk it was not a day to suggest sketching but turning round when he was about half-way to the village the view seemed to jan to be exactly suitable for a slate sketch the long slopes of the downs were white with snow but it was a dull grayish white for there was no sunshine and the grey white of the slate pencil did it justice enough in the middle distance rose the windmill and a thatched cattle shed and some palings made an admirable foreground on the top and edges of these lay the snow outlining them in white which again the slate pencil could imitate effectively there only wanted something darker than the slate itself to do those parts of the foreground and the mill which looked darker than the sky and for this jan trusted to pen and ink when he reached his desk the drawing was very successful and jan was so absorbed in admiring it that he did not notice the schoolmaster's approach but feeling someone behind him he fancied it was one of the boys and held up the slate triumphantly whispering look ye here it was master swift who looked and snatching the slate he brought it down on the sharp corner of the desk and broke it to pieces then he went back to his place and spoke neither bad nor good to jan for the rest of the school time jan would much rather have been beaten once or twice he made essay to go up to master swift's desk but the old man's stern countenance discouraged him and he finally shrank into a corner and sat weeping bitterly he sat there till every scholar but himself had gone and still the schoolmaster did not speak jan slunk out and when master swift turned homewards jan followed silently in his footsteps through the snow at the door of the cottage the old man looked round with a relenting face i suppose rufus'll insist on your coming in said he and jan rushing in hid his face in rufus's curls and sobbed heavily tut tut said the schoolmaster no more of that child there's bitters enough in life without being so prodigal of your tears come and sit down with ye he went on you're very young lad and maybe i'm foolish to be angry with ye that you're not wise but yet ye've more sense than your years in some respects and i'm thinking i'll try and make ye see things as i see em i'm going to tell ye something about myself if ye'd care to hear it i'd be main pleased master swift said jan earnestly i'd none of your advantages lad said the old man when i was your age i knew more mischief than you need ever know and uncommon little else i'm a self-educated man i used to hope i should live to hear folks say a self-made great man it's a bitter thing to have the ambition without the genius to smoulder in the fire that great men shine by 
however it's something to have just the saving sense to know that ye've not got it though it's taken a wasted lifetime to convince me and i sometimes think the deceiving serpent is more scotched than killed yet however ye seem to me to be likelier to lack the ambition than the genius so we may let that bide but there's a snare of mine yon that i mean your feet to be free of and that's a mischosen vocation i'm not a native of these parts ye must know i come from the north and in those mining and manufacturing districts i've seen many a man that's got an education and could keep himself sober rise to own his house and his works and have men under him and bring up his children like the gentry for mark ye my lad in such matters the experiences of the early part of an artisan's life are all so much to the good for him for they're in the working of the trade and the finest young gentleman has got it all to learn if he wants to make money in that line i got my education and i was sober enough but heaven help me i must be a poet and in that line a gentleman's son knows almost from the nursery many a thing that i had to teach myself with hard labour as a man it was just a madness but i read all the poetry i could lay my hands on and i wrote as well did you write poetry master swift said jan i jan of a sort at one time i worshipped burns and then i wrote verses in the dialect of my native place which ye must know i can speak with any man when i've a mind said master swift unconscious that he spoke it always and then it was wordsworth for the love of nature is just a passion with me and it's that that made the poet keats a new world to me well well now i'm telling you how i came here it was after my wife she was lady's maid to squire Amaby's mother and the old squire got me the school ah those were happy days i was a godless rough sort of a fellow when she married me but i became a converted man and let me tell ye lad when a man and wife love god and each other and live in the country a bit of ground like this becomes a very garden of eden did your wife like your poetry sir said jan on whom the idea that the schoolmaster was a poet made a strong impression ay ay jan she was a good scholar i wrote a bit about that time called love and ambition in the style of the poet wordsworth it was as much as to say that love had killed ambition ye understand but it wasn't dead it had only shifted to another object we had a child i remember the first day his blue eyes looked at me with what i may call sense in em he was in his cradle and there was no one but me with him i went on like a fool see thee my son i said thy father's been a bad un but he'll keep thee as pure as thy mother thy father's a poor scholar but he's not that dull but what he'll make thee as learned as the parson thy father's a needy man a man in a small way but he and thy mother'll stick here in this dull bit of a village content i my lad right happy so thou art a rich man and can see the world i give ye my word yon the child looked at me as if he understood it all you're wondering maybe what made me hope he'd do different to what i'd done but ye see his mother was just an angel and i reckoned he'd be half like her then she'd lived with gentlefolks from a child and new manners and such like that i never learned and for as little as i'd taught myself he'd at any rate begin where his father left off he was all we had there seemed no fault in him his mother dressed him like a little prince and his manners were the same ah we were happy then well master swift said jan for the schoolmaster had paused can't ye see the place is empty he answered sharply 
who takes bite or sup with me but rufus she died i'd have gone mad but for the boy all my thought was to make up her loss to him a child learns a man to be unselfish yon i used to think god may well be the very fount of unselfish charity when he has so many children so helpless without him i think he taught me how to do for that boy i dressed him i darned his socks what work i couldn't do i put out but i had no one in when i came in from school i cleaned myself and changed my boots to give him his meals rufus and i eat off the table now but i give ye my word when he was alive we'd three clean cloths a week and he'd a penny every day and there's a silver fork and spoon in yon drawer i saved up to buy him and had his name put on i taught him too he loved poetry as well as his father he could say most of milton's licitous it was an unlucky thing to have learned him too eh yon were poor fools i lay awake night after night reconciling my mind to troubles that were never to come and never dreaming of what was before me i thought to myself john swift my lad you're making yourself a bed of thorns as sure as you make your son a gentleman so sure he'll look down on his old father when he gets up can ye bear that john swift and her dead and him all that ye have i didn't ask myself twice yon of course i could bear it would any parent stop his child from being better than himself because he'd be looked down on i never heard of one i want him to think me rough and ignorant says i for i want him to know what's better and i shan't expect him to think on how i've slaved for him till he's children of his own and their mother a lady but when i'm dead i says and he stands by my grave and i can't shame him no more with my common ways he'll say the old man did his best for me for he has his mother's feelings i tell you yon i cried like a child to think of him standing at my burying in a good black coat and a silk scarf like a gentleman and i no more thought of standing at his than if he was bound to live for ever and mind ye i did all i could to improve myself i learned while i was teaching and read all i could lay my hands on books of travels made me wild i was young still and i'd have given a deal to see the world but i was saving every penny for him he'll see it all says i and that's enough italy and greece and egypt and the holy land and he'll see the sea which i never saw but once and that was at cleethorpes and he'll go to the tropics and see flowers that had just turned his old father's head and he'll write and tell me of em for he's got his mother's feelings my god he never passed the parish bounds and he's lain alongside of her in yon churchyard for five and thirty years master swift's head sank upon his breast and he was silent as if in a trance but jan dared not speak the silence was broken by rufus who got up and stuffed his nose into the schoolmaster's hand poor lad said his master patting him thou art a good soul too well jan i'm here ye see it didn't kill me i was off my head a bit i believe but they kept the school for me and i got to work again i'm rough pottery lad and take a deal of breaking i've took up with dumb animals too a good deal at least they've took up with me most of em's come like rufus of themselves mangy puppies no one would own cats with kettles to their tails and so on i've always had a bit of company to my meals and that's the main thing folks has said to me master swift i don't know how you can keep on schooling i reckon you can hardly abide the sight of boys now you've lost your own but they're wrong yon it seemed to give me a kind of love for every lad i lit upon are ye thinking ambition was dead in the old man at last it came to life again yon after a bit i says to myself 
in a dull place like this there's doubtless many a boy that might rise that never has the chance that i'd have given to mine for what says the poet gray but knowledge to their eyes her ample page rich with the spoils of time did ne'er unroll i think yon sometimes i'm like rachel who'd rather have taken to her servants children than have had none i thought if there's a genius in obscurity here i'll come across the boy being schoolmaster and i'll do for him as i'd have done for my own yon i've seen nigh on seven generations of lads pass through this school but he's never come society's quit of that blame there's been no mute inglorious miltons here since i come to this place there's been many a nice-tempered lad i've loved for i'm fond of children but never one that yearned to see places he'd never seen or to know things he'd never heard of there's no fool like an old one and i think i've been more disappointed as time went on i submitted myself to the lord's will years ago but i have prayed him on my knees since he didn't see fit to raise me in mine to let me have that satisfaction to help some other man's son to knowledge and to fame yon lake said master swift when i found you in yon wood i found what i've looked for in vain for thirty-five years have i been schoolmaster so long do you think and don't know one boy's face from another lad is it possible you don't care to be a great man jan cared very much but he was afraid of master swift and it was by an effort that he summoned up courage to say couldn't i be a great painter master swift don't ye think the old man frowned impatiently what have i been telling ye the fine arts are not the road to fame for workingmen jan jan be guided by me learn what i bid ye and when ye've made name and fortune the way i show ye ye can buy paints and paintings at your will and paint away to please your leisure hours it did not need the gentle abel's after counsel to persuade jan to submit himself to the schoolmaster's direction i'll do as ye bid me master swift indeed i will sir said he but when the pleased old man rambled on of fame and fortune it must be confessed that jan but thought of them as the steps to those hours of wealthy leisure in which he could buy paints and indulge the irrepressible bent of his genius without blame End of chapter twenty two